scripture reading is from Deuteronomy 26, verses 1 through 11. When you arrive in the land the Lord your God is giving you as a special possession, and you have conquered it and settled there, put some of the first produce from each harvest into a basket and bring it to the place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored. Go to the priest in charge at that time and say to him, With this gift, I acknowledge that the Lord your God has brought me into the land he swore to give our ancestors. The priest will then take the basket from your hand and set it before the altar of the Lord your God. You must then say in the presence of the Lord your God, My ancestor Jacob was a wandering Armenian who went to live in Egypt. His family was few in number, but in Egypt they became a mighty and numerous nation. When the Egyptians mistreated and humiliated us by making us their slaves, we cried out to the Lord, the God of our ancestors. He heard us and saw our hardship, toil, and oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with amazing power, overwhelming terror, and miraculous signs and wonders. He brought us to this place and gave us this land flowing with milk and honey. And now, O Lord, I have brought you a token of the first crops you have given me from the ground. Then place the produce before the Lord your God and worship him. Afterward, go and celebrate because of all of the good things the Lord your God has given to you and your household. Remember to include the Levites and the foreigners living among you in the celebration. And our gospel lesson this morning comes from the gospel according to John, chapter 6, starting with verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For it is on him that God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to perform the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in whom he has sent. So they said to him, What sign are you going to give us then, so that we may see it and believe you? What work are you performing? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, It was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. 
Will you join me in prayer? Come Holy Spirit, settle in upon our hearts and our minds this morning. Open a space to do work in us and through us. As we hear these scriptures read and proclaimed today, may your words be planted in our hearts. We pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen. So Thanksgiving is coming up this week. But have you noticed of the, the major holidays, it kind of feels like the, the stepchild of the three? I've noticed that a lot in different cartoons I've, I've seen throughout the week here. Uh, I don't know if you can read this one, so I'll read it for you. Well, big guy, looks like it's your turn. It's only two days after Halloween, and I've already seen Christmas lights, fruitcake, and scented pine cones. And the turkey says, hopefully by next year, they'll skip over Thanksgiving completely. I literally saw this happen. I was in Walmart on Halloween day, and they were pushing all of the, the Halloween stuff to one side and stacking it on pallets, and Christmas was just exploding from the back room into the same exact space. But Thanksgiving doesn't have much to sell, right? There's only really one thing that sells well at Thanksgiving time, and of course that is turkey. Do you ever wonder how many turkeys the farmers get ready for Thanksgiving Day tables? According to the National Turkey Federation, which, yes, it's a real thing. You can look it up. They expect to sell 45 million turkeys on Thanksgiving Day. And just in case you're counting, the average bird is just over 20 pounds now. So that's approximately 1 billion pounds of turkey that will be cooked and eaten on Thursday. In fact, the Thanksgiving meal is, is an American thing, right? Tables all across the land will have the same foods on them on this one day of the year. I heard a, a cool interview this week with a Korean-American woman who's a chef out in Minneapolis. And she talked about growing up in Minnesota as the, the only immigrant kid in her classroom and uh, the only Asian in, in her whole town, really. And she said she never quite felt like she fit in. She would show up in the lunchroom with stinky things like kimchi, right? And the kids would, would make fun of her. But she said there was one day a year when she felt fully American because her family would cook a real turkey with the canned cranberry sides and uh, mashed potatoes and the green bean casserole, the whole nine yards. And she said it was the only day of the year that they ate American Western-style foods. And so at the heart of this day of giving thanks is not really a, a Christian holiday, right? We're not reflecting on any part of Jesus' life like we would be at Christmas or at Easter. And yet I find the day of thanksgiving to be very God-centered, right? So I wanted to pick it apart a little bit today and think about this giving of thanks. I already said in children's time that this is inherently a verb, right? It's not just a day, but it's, it's an action. To practice thanksgiving means there's something we must do, right? Giving thanks can't be just a feeling inside our hearts, but we actually have to ask, what has God given me that I can share? 
Giving thanks can be a, a daily practice, too. I read the testimony this week of a woman who's in long-term recovery, and she said that Alcoholics Anonymous had taught her to express gratitude. And so she had the practice of waking up each morning, and she said as soon as she was conscious and she had opened her eyes, she would ask herself, what's the first thing I can be grateful for today? And she said, sometimes the smell of early morning coffee perking in the kitchen would find its way to my bedroom, and I would say, thank you, God, for the smell of coffee. So I thought I would try that this week after reading her testimony. So this morning, I woke up early, ready to come over for church, and I smelled the air, and I thought, Nick, you didn't start the coffee maker last night. So I couldn't say thank you for the smell of coffee. But I thought, oh, surely I can thank God for the sunrise. And then I realized that November is gray and rainy and sometimes snowy. Sure, in the middle of summer, you can wake up to the sunrise and be thankful for the green grass and the butterflies and the warm breeze and the sunshine and the rainbows. But what's November got to be thankful for, right? Giving thanks can be hard sometimes, right? It, to be in action, it's, it's not always easy to do. But if giving thanks is a verb, then sometimes it means saying it out loud. This week I was meeting with some colleagues, and one of the other pastors was talking about this time of transition for me and for my family as I, I step into a new role in the church. And Bob said to me, you're going to be good at this. And I said, I sure hope so. And he said, no, I mean you're going to be good at this. I want you to claim the gifts that God has given you. And I was taken aback. I mean, I was just being modest. I didn't mean to deny gifts that God has given to me. But I didn't realize what he was saying until he was explicit. Sometimes giving thanks is as simple as saying it out loud. Saying it out loud or writing it down in a card or sending it in a text or writing it in an email so that someone else knows what you are thankful for that they have given to you. Giving thanks is a practice, a practice that grounds us in gratitude and in humility and in grace. Because to give thanks, to say it out loud or to write it down for someone else will remind us of the important ways that we're connected to those in our family, at our workplace, and all around us. Plus, saying it out loud or writing it down has a lot of benefits. Studies have been done, and people who practice gratitude on a regular basis have more positive emotional and physical health. They are more optimistic, they have more energy, they are less isolated, they are more socially connected, and they even have stronger immune systems. How's that for good reasons to be grateful, right? In a recent study, two-thirds of Americans said that it was important to them to be generous. And in that same study, where two-thirds said it was important to be generous, one half of the American population reported that they gave zero dollars to charity last year. Do, do you hear the disconnect there? It's important to be generous, but then it's hard to, to take the action. 
I would imagine those who are not generous see the world through a lens of scarcity. Whereas at Thanksgiving, we celebrate God's abundance. When we live out of scarcity, we live live in a a FOMO mindset, right? A, A fear of missing out. But people who practice generosity, who practice giving thanks regularly, see the world through a different lens. A lens of abundance, a lens of blessing, a lens of gratitude, a lens of joy, and a lens of security. Thanksgiving may not be a Christian holiday, but it is a national holiday. And in that sense, we take a break from work. Or at least, hopefully, most of us have the day off. And Thanksgiving has with it a sense of Sabbath. One of those times and spaces where we slow down, we, we get together with friends and family, and we make space to celebrate. At least some of us get to take a break from work. I was looking at a list just yesterday of all the stores that will be open on Thanksgiving Day to start their Black Friday sales. And that list is growing year by year. Uh, We broke open that dam five or ten years ago, and I don't think we're ever going to go back. And it makes us lament sometimes those days when Sabbath was more protected by our society. When people used to have regular hours. We used to have the the blue laws in Pennsylvania. And many people had a a regular nine-to-five schedule or shift work that they could depend on. But did you know in today's world that many American workers are scheduled by computer algorithm? So many retail workers in particular are called in for shifts based on predicted demand. You know, think of Starbucks. They're going to decide how many coffees they think they'll sell tomorrow and they bring in the appropriate number of baristas to be ready for that, or, or, or whatever your favorite store might be. But these computer algorithms have robbed many of our coworkers of a regular schedule. And without a regular schedule, they don't have a predictable income or, or predictable patterns for their family life. Have you noticed at church in the last five or ten years how many people aren't here week by week and Sunday by Sunday? For many of them, it means that their schedule's just that unpredictable. But if you made it this morning, thanks for coming out, through the snow even, and welcome to a place of Sabbath, a time and place set apart for rest. You know, in the same article I was reading about uh, workers being scheduled, they talked about a word I didn't know before. The word is clopening, and that phrase comes from when you are scheduled to close one day and open the next morning. That's a clopening, right? And they were talking about that and said, with all the computer technology to schedule workers, stores could choose to just click a button so that clopening never happens to any employees. And yet most of them don't. In the same article, they talked about computer algorithms that could do more nefarious things. You need a certain number of hours to qualify for benefits like health care. Well, some employers have chosen to click a different box to make sure that no employee gets that many hours in any given pay period. And they call this optimizing the workforce. Optimized for what? For the short-term profit of the company 
but at the expense of the long-term success and health and well-being of their employees. And that has trickle-down effects for our friends, for our families, for our neighbors. So welcome to this space where we give thanks to God and we remind each other each week that we are children of God whose value isn't contingent upon our productivity or our income. We come here to give thanks. We give thanks even in the hard times. Nobody really wants to to be in hard times. But the Bible reminds us to give thanks even in the midst of our struggles. Paul wrote some of his most amazing letters from prison. Hear these two lines. Give thanks to the Lord always. That was written from prison. Or this one. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. The words of a man giving thanks from a prison cell. We do that as Christians too, right? Even in the hard times, we come to God and find a way to give thanks, to count our blessings even in the midst of struggle. We realize that everyone will go through those hard times. Family problems or marital problems or parenting challenges, loss of a job, loss of health, loss of a loved one. They they touch us all in one way or the other. But how do we remain joyful and give thanks even in the difficult times. This practice of giving thanks has so many positive benefits for us. One thing it also does is helps us with one of the Ten Commandments. That last one down on the list. Thou shalt not covet. I ran across a wonderful line this week by the writer Shelley Brooks Sanford. She said, a prominent roadblock to feeling grateful is when I compare my insides to others' outsides, comparing how I feel inwardly on a difficult day to how others appear to me on their good days. Of course, this is a losing proposition which leads only to feelings of envy and disappointment. Here was the line that struck me. Don't compare your insides to others' outsides outsides. And you know where we do that the most? Social media, right? Nobody puts their worst day up in a selfie, right? We all kind of cultivate our own image. You put the best pictures up, you know? The days that you're, you're proud of your kids and having fun, you take a picture of everybody smiling. You don't, you don't take pictures of the meltdowns or the arguments, right? Don't compare your insides to others' outsides. To truly give thanks, we have to give it all back to God. The good, the bad, the in-between. And give God thanks for it all. You know, Thanksgiving may not be a biblical holy day, but practicing giving thanks is the most Christian thing to do. I was thinking of this coming Thursday and the turkeys that will be on our tables. 
And I was thinking about all the feasting that happens in the Bible. All throughout the Old Testament and the New, they feast together. We, we read about the Israelites' feast day in Deuteronomy. We have Jesus feasting with his disciples. There were pilgrims and Native Americans at Plymouth who feasted together. There will be you and whoever you gather with this week at your table feasting. And that common thread runs through it all. That we take the time and the space to give thanks to God, the provider of our blessings. So this week, whatever situation you find yourself in, take the time and the space to give thanks. Thanks be to God. Amen.